I'm your host, John Beathan, on What Has My Attention. And today, the episode is titled, Women in Strong Leadership, Leading from Love. And it's episode 25. This is the second in a series of Women in Strong Leadership. And here, in this episode, we discuss several enhancements that lead with love and lead with love in coaching. It's interesting to me, and there's more on this topic to come, as the ground is fertile here. It has my attention, and is important to me and others as the business landscape changes to a more humane business culture, with women leading this in strong leadership and coaching, often referenced by the work of Brene Brown and Simon Sinek, partners in this revolution. Now, here's Lisa Pachance again, and with her associate, Jess Lilly. Ladies, welcome to the show. Lisa Pachance, Jess Lilly. I want to, you know, we're going to have a conversation that I can't wait to have. It's a follow-up to a conversation Lisa and I had on episode 20 of What Has My Attention. It was titled, Women in Strong Leadership. Take a minute to introduce yourself. I would love to. Thanks for having me, John. And Lisa, always lovely to be with you. Uh, My name is Jess Lilly. I am a heart-centered leadership coach and professional certified coach. I uh, work with leaders who are building empathy, compassion, intuition, communication to really build effective teams and be fully expressed as leaders to make it their you know, highest level impact that they can make. Um, so that's my private practice. And I also train coaches with accomplishment coaching. So I am a leader in training with mm. the ICF accredited coach training program, accomplishment coaching in DC. And your website? JessLilyCoaching.com. That's simple. Kept it simple. Trying to trying to do everyone a favor. Yeah, that was great. Easy to remember. Lisa. Yes. Well, Jess and I know each other through accomplishment coaching. I was also a a leader in training in accomplishment coaching. And I took a year off and I very much miss my people. So it's good to see you again, Jess. And I am Lisa Vicence. I am also a professional certified coach. I am an executive life coach for women who hit their own glass ceilings when it comes to their careers and their livelihoods. And they want something different. They want to have an extraordinary life without the exhaustion and the burnout and the imbalance. So I'm personally on a mission to bring back women's leadership to the forefront of our culture in a way that has so much more balance in business, in our lives, and in our families. Very nice. Yeah. I also uh, helped to run a business boot camp for recently graduated coaches. And so I support coaches to build out a business that is really in service of them. Uh, personally, I think it's an absolute crime that highly trained coaches are out there not having clients banging down their doors because coaching is such a need in mm-hmm. our culture these days. It's yep. the second fastest growing industry in society. So I'm very, very much an advocate of getting trained coaches out there, coaching people, talking about things that are important and supporting what matters. Great. And your website? Yes. Coachingwithlp.com. Another simple one. Another simple one. Yeah. So we, we decided our topic was going to be leading with love. So there's two parts, you know, that come obvious to me talking about leading and then talking about love. But I am going to let you both take it away. And you know me, I will have questions. So where do you want to start? Where's the starting point for this conversation about leading from love? I have a place to dig in. It's a place that is very near and dear to me. Um, So leading with love, I want to focus in on the love piece. (laughs) for a moment. Let's just let's just start on the love side of things. Um, I was actually just talking to a new, um, you know, networking acquaintance this morning about this, mm-hmm. that when I was, I was raised by a social worker. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been uh, what I would describe as a love bug. 
my whole life. I'm a very love oriented human being. I'm an interpersonally oriented person, empathy, compassion, nurturing, curiosity, all of that has always come very naturally to me. And my assumption, I didn't know that this was my underlying assumption, was that I could really be a teacher or a social worker with all this love. So that my, the only place I could channel being a, a really love oriented person is are in these things that are kind of assigned as, okay, yeah, that's where you put your love. If you're a person who wants to bring love into the world professionally, you have to do it there. And so that actually is what had me start out my career in public education. And so my interest, uh, in addition to, you know, training people who are in leadership about how to lead with love, I also talk to those people who are the love people who think, okay, my only place is this industry, this industry, this industry, to really open up the horizons about, oh, where could I be a leader? Because love actually matters everywhere. Um, so that's my my plug on teachers leading okay. <laughs> everywhere. Well, it begs the question, your meaning of love. And does it matter? Hmm. Does it matter? Brene Brown has such a great definition of love. I wish I had it right in front of me. Uh, my definition of love though, I believe that love is a way of being and it's also a set of actions. So I think that the way of being of love is has an element of trust and connection, assumed trust, connection, and an orientation toward care as a way of being, like showing up in your heart, showing up willing, willing to be seen and see other people and embrace all of those things. There's acceptance, there's cares, there's there's celebration, and there's appreciation all built into love in a very general focus. But then there's also the doing of love, which is really what is most in service. What is in service of this person in front of me? Mm. What um, meeting people's, you know, really showing up for people and be who they need you to be for them to be fully expressed or to be, you know, to meet their, their highest and best goals, which is kind of the point of coaching. Like, who do I need to be for my clients for them to self-actualize? I love that. You know, there was a book written, sorry, Lisa, there was a book written okay. years ago called Love is a Verb. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sort of a classic, I guess, but it was a good I got to get my little pen and paper to write down. I bet a lot of good recommendations are going to come out of this. Oh, you could just come back and listen to or watch yeah. the podcast. <laughs> good idea. You're going to want to watch yourself anyway. Yeah, you're going to watch want to watch yourself anyway. So Lisa, what were you going to say before I... Oh, I was going to go on a Brene Brown tangent. And how Yay! she talks about, especially in Dare to Lead, she talks a lot about how leaders can either lead from love or they can lead from they can leave from their, their stories, their stuff, their armor, their survival mechanisms. Mm -hmm. It's basically a love or fear conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that personally, that's why leading from love is such an important conversation to have because oftentimes we see leadership in an automatic style and automatic styles typically fall back into a fear-based, predictable, uh, not in service of our highest and greatest. Pretty unconscious, pattern. actually, right? Pretty automatic, yeah. pretty unconscious, pretty not present. Right. And when we're operating from an unconscious, it's like we're not choosing. It's like mm. we don't remember that we have a choice over how to be, how to behave, how to love as a verb. And so I find this conversation so powerful because leadership for a long time has been in an automated pattern that has led to a lot of problems. Jess and I were talking about how we were both trained in, in an EQI assessment. And I will always remember my trainer saying that all, all business problems are really people problems. And all people problems are really about understanding ourselves, being able to express ourselves and being able to interact according to how we choose. And you said EQI. What is that? Ah, sorry about that. Yes. Emotional intelligence assessment like emotional intelligence instead of IQ, it's EQ. Okay. Um, I have the course materials at my foot. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I could just plug them. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. But Jess, I would love to hear your thoughts about 
like the, the Brene Brown theory, leading from love, what it's like to enter the leadership environment and bring this topic. I know I've had a lot of pushback from either organizations or individuals like, love, love doesn't belong here. Well, I'm going to start with kind of the other side of things. I just recently went to a conference. Actually, last week I went to a virtual conference called the Small Giants Summit. And Small Giants, it's basically the name that um, you know the author of the book, Small Giants, assigned to businesses that are people-oriented, purpose-oriented, and very values-driven. And they don't always make those unconscious, automatic business decisions, more and more profit. You know, it, they're not in those default automatic patterns. And what I found was that there are tons of people out there who get it from like a common sense place that if you love, respect, and hear people that work in your company and you treat them as whole human beings, it's actually going to be a better environment. It's going to be, you're going to get better results. And and not, not that it's just for results, but that you, if you bring love to your leadership and people really trust that you see them as people, truly as people, that it's going to create a different sort of um, way that they relate to their work and also how they relate to themselves. I think that one of the benefits of bringing a conversation about love to a leadership conversation is that it makes people want to lead. <laughs> like when you actually are generating leadership from fear, who would, you know, it's kind of an unattractive, it's you, you kind of see some of those more cliche things about leadership come out. Like a lot of the stuff that you talk about, Lisa, like the burnout and the exhaustion and the loneliness, the isolation, and some of these things that people might automatically associate with being the leader. Um, so, what, so, so instead of talking about a carrot and a stick, you're actually talking about a really nice, well-made piece of chocolate cake. That's all we have in front of us. Ooh, look yes. at that response. Oh my God, you melted me with chocolate cake. That's exactly is, right. The stick is really one of those cookies that's filled with more chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's okay. it's this idea that you can lead. This has been my my growth edge right now is that I can lead from vision rather than complaint or compliance. Yeah. Uh, a fear-based leadership style often generates that kind of dichotomy, that that like dual, like I'm either with it or I'm against it. I'm rebelling. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been looking to, you know, in any environment that I want to see there be more love, I'm like, okay, how can I actually take care of myself, <laughs> look at look at what I need, and then step outside of that whole machine and be, okay, what's my vision of success here from love? Lisa, you specifically asked like what what challenges have I have I experienced from bringing kind of the conversation about leading from love? Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, one of the biggest responses I get from this conversation is, well, what about rigor? You can't be all love because where would the rigor be? There would be no results. Everybody would sit around, hug and hold hands and kumbaya. <laughs> and my assertion is that you actually need love, tenderness and empathy to the level that you want the rigor. That if you try to rigor without the commensurate relationship, compassion, empathy, communication, love, it's brittle. Then the rigor is really brittle. Um, so that's been my stand has been like, no, you need the love for the rigor. They're not, they're not, it's not an either or conversation. Heck yeah. <clears throat> I find that, um, my favorite type of people to work with are those who are highly sensitive, powerful women and follow this trajectory of a cultural conditioning leaning towards much more rigor than love. Like the, the, the love, the empathy of the relationship has not been taught, but the, the rigor and the planning and the projecting and the compliance and the the force has been taught. Is that because they're they're basically trying to walk in a man's world? 
I mean, some of it, some of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, I think it's a cultural conditioning. I also think it's just like a Western world sort of thing. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, Lisa, thank you for that validation. Well, and Lisa, you just pinpointed, you know, before we hopped on here, I was saying, you know, Lisa, one of the things I love about being with you is that we do have a lot in common. And then we have these like areas where we're a little bit different. And this, I think you named something that makes us really complimentary because you're talking to the people who are the type A structured, forcing power, you know, all those things you just said. Mm-hmm. And my conversation a lot of the times is toward the the people who are like, well, I'm too sensitive to be a leader. I can't handle leadership. I'm the, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be over here um, in this you know, workspace that's been deemed as where sensitive people go. <laughs> like, you know, I was in my, 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 my teacher hat or my academic advisor hat. I was, I was wearing all these hats where I felt like, you know, me and a lot of the people that I speak with, it's almost the opposite direction where you're like, okay, how can we be in that really powerful conversation and bring the love to it? And I was like, you know, I've been talking to people where, hey, actually you can be powerful exactly as you are, mm-hmm. even though you are very sensitive or you are very X, Y, Z. And I think that like, this is exactly it. This is the conversation that there needs to be both. Like we are not as a civilization, one or the other. I think that the, the biggest roadblocks to transforming leadership is an either or mentality. Either I can have the softness and the feminine or I can have the power, but I can't create both. And the, the right-wrong dichotomy is oftentimes what keeps us in this survival mechanism patterned place. And so, I mean, I, I love working with anybody from any place because it just you know brings me joy. Um, I happen to work with those women who are just like, work harder, fall up the stairs of success, get these great cushy jobs, but have no idea WTF they're doing because they don't they don't know how to complement their sensitivity and use it and implement it in their, in their work because I was that person. Like that, was, that is my story. And I just so happen to follow that. But I, I adore the conversation that, that follows a, but if I bring power, then I can't be nice. Or if I'm nice, then I can't bring power because you are catching our our cultural survival mechanism red-handed in that moment. Like, found you. No, nope, yeah. that's not the case. That's a bunch of BS. Well, and it was cool because I heard, I listened to the, the last episode, the conversation about the emotional intelligence assessment or emotional intelligence in general is that it it's a tool to step outside of that either or because emotional intelligence has all these different facets to it that include both like independence is one of the, you know, measures, behaviors associated with independence, Um, interpersonal. So the interpersonal is there, the independence is there, the assertiveness is there, assertiveness is on there. And so, you know, when I hear emotional intelligence, my automatic is not to think like assertiveness would count or be like in that conversation. But it's this idea of how do we bring our, um, yeah, how do we be whole human beings together? <laughs> like, hey, we're not robots. We're not actually programmed to be one or the other. Like, let's step out of, outside of that either or, just like you were saying, Lisa, and get into this humanity-oriented conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's a multidimensional thing. I mean, this is one of the things I love about coaching is it's like really solid, core competency-based coaching is limitless. You can have any conversation. As our human beings, we are limitless. We are complex. We can have multiple emotions and experiences in the same breath. And so getting rid of the the me versus you, black, white, right, wrong, this, that dichotomy. Good, bad. Totally. It opens up a, oh, well, what if I raise my independence and my interpersonal skills at the same time? What if I raise my empathy and my assertiveness? What is that going to look like in leadership? 
how can those two things go together? And in the end, emotional intelligence is all about being able to increase your ability to personally and professionally have success and happiness, period. So if you work on all of your skills, you will get there. But it, it, there's, a, there's a, a dynamicness to it, especially that coaching can bring by being able to look at the whole person instead of just this tiny atmosphere. And that's why I like the, the leading from love conversation. It's a big conversation. It's not one dynamic. It's not you know, the David Ramsey way of leadership where you do these five steps and you're done. It is a, how are you authentically as a leader? Yeah. It sort of comes into the conversation we had on episode 20 about success in that everybody has a really different idea of what success means. Success as a leader, even success as a follower. There are some people that don't want to lead. They would just as soon follow. And I spent a large part of my life, once I realized that I was willing to admit that I was wrong, to be really quiet and just follow. Yeah, that's powerful. I think that, John, the first thing that came up for me when you said everyone has a different uh, definition of success mm -hmm. is this both and as coaches would say, like both happen to be true simultaneously, that what one version of success for me, at least, is finding this really productive is not the word, but this really um, authentic space where I'm meeting myself exactly where I am and developing myself. <laughs> I think leading with love a part of it, in addition to breaking up the either or, it's also saying, hey, we do want to meet people where they are. It, it, it isn't always a game about people get, getting them somewhere else. It's not always the game. Like, John, you know, you said, okay, I was able to see that I was wrong. And I was able to open myself up to being receptive and listening and not knowing. That's a huge skill. Um, so that's an example where you kind of were open to development, a different muscle. Um, but then that also embracing, hey, we can just meet, we also need to embrace people where they are, who they are, as they are. And that's just as important as moving people along. You know, in our culture, we sometimes can get stuck on the, okay, move it along. <laughs> There's somewhere for us to get to, which is just as important when it comes to leading with love. So I, I have a question. You, yeah, both, are I, you both are coaches. No, there was not a disruption in the force. Um, you're both coaches. So what, I don't know what word you use, but what makes a good client or a good student or a good, what makes a good client? Who is a good client? I Anybody who shows up to their coaching session. Anybody that shows up, all right. Actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, so I lead these core competency trainings for the ICF Philadelphia. And someone asked me, like, what makes someone uncoachable? We use this word, like, uncoachable. Yeah. And the thing is, there's, there's no definition according to the International Coach Federation of, of what makes someone uncoachable. And so I, I asked the crowd and, you know, we, we talked about this for a little bit and someone said, well, someone who doesn't show up to a session is uncoachable. And I was like, that's really interesting because as coach, our jobs is to be who the client needs us to be as they show up wherever they're at. It's actually our jobs to meet them where they are. So if someone is, let's say, a, being a bad client, which might look like unwilling unable to have the conversation, in upset, in tears, um, coach, you're wrong, whatever it is, if their survival mechanism is up and doing things in the, uh, you know, in the session, our jobs is still to relate to them as whole, complete, and incredible wherever they're at. And so as soon as we step out of that and say, well, they're just uncoachable, we're actually stepping out of coach. You know, John, I, I um, you know how you kind of put in earlier, like getting rid of good, bad anyway. Mm -hmm. 
like I have opinions of what's good and bad, but I think um, in terms of what my preferences are, like I like working with, it's fun for me to work with this person or it's interesting or whatever, just from like a human standpoint. But I think that's something that maybe people don't talk about that much is alignment and just being a match. I think that mm. something that's really interesting is that in the coach training program, we assign participants with their coaches for the year. And the idea is for everyone to have breakthroughs. Mm. So where I am in my development as a coach, you know, from, you know, one of the master coaches might put me with someone and be like, oh yeah, I could see Jess having tons of breakthroughs. And actually a couple of weeks ago, I had a huge breakthrough with one of the people I was coaching uh, in their program because I had to be something so outside my comfort zone to make a difference for them. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, this is so uncomfortable. So to me, my, my, my interest is always for people to get what they came for, transformation, connection, and um, opening up new possibilities. Like those are things I value and something that creates that, what, whatever partnership or relationship results in that is like a good match to me. That's my like interpretation and whatever kind of stagnates or doesn't quite move things along in that desired direction. Yeah. Maybe we should refer to someone else. Like I've referred people, I I've been like, you know what, this is actually, I think that we're, you know, um, in a lull as a partnership, what do you want to do about it? Do we reinvent? Do you want me to refer you to someone else? Is there some therapeutic work to do? Um, there's, there's tons of possibilities when you enter that kind of conversation. Yeah. So yeah. I was going to, I was going to say you're, you're, you're looking in your clients, you're looking for that aha where the light bulb goes on. And then the other part of that is I was going to ask you is, I mean, I just do this with people is that, when I look at them, I look for the love in them because I don't think there's a single person alive that hasn't experienced some level and some degree of love. Yeah. And you know what this conversation also reminds me of is how important it is for us to always be looking for our own edges and breakthroughs. So similar to you know, what you were saying, Jess, about alignment. Yes, there's alignment. You know, who is a good match for who as far as your strengths, but what about where your edges are as a coach? And John, to your point about finding where the love is, everyone carries with them a set of biases and judgments and conditioning from their past because you know we're human and we have automatic patterns and that's just that so being able to see those biases and those black whites and those good bads and and set them aside and inspect them and move them shift them through choice is so important for us because then that paves the way for our clients and so I, I also have clients that I prefer to work with because I do great. I already know I do great work with them, but I also have clients that I'm like, oh, this is going to be really uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll make space for you in my practice. <laughs> I actually have one that I'm, I'm working with right now that I'm, I'm really excited to work with because I know she's going to push my edges. So are you going to like, are you going to pay her to coach with you? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I'm just going to bring a lot of requests to my own coach as to how to, how to be and stand for ah. her breakthroughs. That is a great point, Lisa, a great point because, you know, this is something I take for granted all the time because in the circle of coaches that me and Lisa kind of hang with, it's the known thing that great coaches have coaches. Mm -hmm. You gotta get coached. You gotta be supported to show up at that next level to have that breakthrough to so that your own stuff doesn't get in the way of your client's agenda and their transformation. John, I really appreciate your um, intention to see love in people mm -hmm. because I think that you know belief that there is love in everyone and I'm gonna go ahead and look for it. So the belief there's love and the intention to go looking for it, that's one way to operationalize leading with love. 
I mean, like, you know, so if I were talking to a client who's been leading from a little bit more of a transactional standpoint or more domination oriented, hierarchical, whatever, and they're new to the conversation of leading with love, the the goal of the conversation is also, how do I actually make this something that someone can dig into? So I just appreciate that example because that's a really simple practice, but could change change so much for people. Yeah, and I, it's easily demonstrated. If I tell you, no, if I tell you, and I'm gonna tell you now both, in the next couple days over the weekend, you will find a gold shiny object. You will find it. Yeah, the old, you will always find what you're looking for. Your attention has to be on it. What you appreciate, appreciates. What has my attention? Yep, there you Here go. We are. <laughs> Uh, it's, um, there's, there's a phrase for it. It's confirmation bias, right? If we believe that we will find something, mm -hmm. we will find it. We will create the circumstances so that we find it. So finding the lo love in another person, finding the love in coaching them, finding yeah. the love in being coached, finding the love in everything we do. Yeah. And this is interesting because you know, it's kind of a foundational coaching principle that you choose the belief. You know, it's like first you be, then you do, then you have. Like, you know, I love you that model. To, I love that I mean, model. It's a good one. Yeah, it, it, most it, people it, have it backwards, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just author and business leader that I really admire, Ari Weinzweig. He wrote this book, Power of Beliefs in Business. Mm -hmm. And he stands, so his audience are all these, you know, business leaders. And his, he really stands for that. Like you actually have to choose the belief first and you're not going to want to because <laughs> you have evidence, case files for all the evidence of your old beliefs of why you shouldn't trust people and why you need to control everything or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, his call to action and it's a very coaching call to action is examine your beliefs and choose ones that are more aligned with your vision and with who you want to be in the world as a leader. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of Simon Sinek's golden circle talk. Yep. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Mm. Because the people that have the strongest beliefs are those that carry the strongest products sustainably. And the su most successful companies are the ones that have never forgot their why, i.e. Apple. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's so interesting that you brought up the concept transactional leadership, Jess, because I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? There's actually a lot of places for transactional leadership or for, for exercising the muscle of hierarchy. Um, it's just about like, is that the only tool in your belt? Is it all about transaction and, and power dynamic? Or is there a, a time and place for the leading from love, for the vision? I mean, it's like, it's like the game of golf. You have to have a short game and you have to have a long game. It's just a balance of the two. Like you're always gonna, gonna tee off and you're gonna need a long game and you're gonna need a short game. It's just known. And then there's these things in between called you know irons and I just don't understand. I actually don't know if you know this, Jess, but my husband runs a company in New Jersey, uh, a family owned company. And he, he's president of the company. There's like a hundred people there. He also took the coach training program. So he, while he's leading this very blue collar company with a lot of transactional leadership, he also carries with him this leading from love, this be, do, have, and create the belief, have this, you know, big picture frame of mind. Um, and what I, what I love about his style is that he can really, he can really pull the levers of both. I actually find myself very jealous of my my husband's natural leadership because he carries a very strong masculine power, like stereotypical leadership dynamic, but he can really bring in the, well, what's your vision? Who do you want to be as a leader? What is the, like, what is the creative um, end goal here? Who do you, who are you trying to be? Where are you trying to go? Even in, in the industry of cement production, it's well, possible. Mm. I, I think that's so, um, your 
embracing of that. Like, ooh, I admire what he has over here. I think it's just, it's a call into partnership. I feel like one of the most transformational things about the last year in my leadership has been, I kind of, I didn't know it at the time, but I was a little bit hiding <laughs> over here with all my heart-centered people, all my sensitive, empathetic, compassionate leaders. I'm like, oh yeah, well, I wanna work with them and we're good and I don't really need to deal with all the masculine stuff yet, uh, hold on. And what's happened over the past year is that a number of men who are on the coach training um, and women with a strong masculine are on my uh, leadership team with me. And they have been extraordinary partners, not only in modeling certain skills, like you can imagine, um, I took the EQI assessment and assertiveness and independence, those, those uh, some of the ones that I mentioned before, those are the ones where I'm like, you know, my self-assessment was like, I don't have those. <laughs> I'm not that. Um, and so what's been cool is how partnership can work. One, modeling. Two, having having these people who just have this different skill set really seeing me as just as powerful as them. I think I had a bit of a complex that like my leadership superpowers were, they were cool and everything, but not as cool as, you know, I was socialized to think that the masculine style of leadership is, is better, is more powerful, is more effective, is worth more money, blah, blah, blah. And so part of the partnership has really been about like, no, 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 like, um, I can see me through their eyes. And I really get the value of what I bring. And I really get the value of what they bring. So it's cool that you have that in your marriage. I mean, how cool is that? Relationship so goals. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you when you both think of this, I'm wondering who comes to mind. Who do you know that are women in strong leadership that love? First person that comes to your mind. I mean, Brene Brown was the first person that came to my mind. Yeah. Hi, Brene Brown. Please meet me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she listens? <laughs> yeah. We'll send it to her. So I, yeah, I have two people in mind. Okay. Um, Michelle Obama mm. comes to mind, partly because I just watched her documentary and it was just it was lovely, and that and she's the type of person who will lead wherever she is, which I really admire, even if mm. she's number two or backstage or at home or on the street, like she's just such a natural stand for people and causes. And that to me is, is absolutely leading from love. You don't need to be in front in order to lead because you love the cause so much. Mm. And the other person is Jody, Jody Larson who's one of the coach trainers in, in accomplishment coaching. And to me, she very much embodies strength and love. <clears throat> but her, her strength is her love. It comes off as a such a high stand for what you as a human deserve because you deserve everything. So why are you settling for this monkey business? Yeah. I, I think that, I love that. Yeah, the person, uh, a person, another senior leader in accomplishment coaching who trained me is Carrie Zurier. I'm thinking of her too, yeah. Oh, I mean, so I'm going through my participant year of this coach training program. I'm getting my heart and brain ripped open. Everything's getting reorganized. I'm learning a whole new way of life. And the thing that she taught me about leading with love, but having rigor, is that she was the first person that I really saw love me without any caretaking. Love mm -hmm. me from strength. Like she related to me. I remember I was having this like meltdown moment in the, in the program room where everything was, you know, it was kind of my moment to have the transformational live coaching happen. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about the program is that, you know, I was getting coached by Carrie, but then, we had this kind of meta conversation of, well, what did she just do? And, you know, we get to break it down afterwards. And during that break it down afterwards conversation, there was a guy sitting next to me who said, wow, Carrie, I can't believe 
you were able to be with her in that way. Cause I was over here thinking, oh my God, you poor thing. And Carrie just looks at him and goes, you know, she didn't do her hair like that, but I imagine like maybe she did. And she just goes, well, I don't relate to her as a poor thing. You know, like I was like, oh wow, that's how you change someone's life. Cause I had such a belief about myself because I'm sensitive, because of who I am and what I'm like, that that's all I can be is I can get love from being from that caretaking orientation. I can't be loved in my power. And so she changed my entire life. So Carrie Zerrier, thanks for that. Um, she, <laughs> I have thanked, I've, I've thanked her for it before, but I will thank her for it for the rest of my life because you can love someone deeply from total respect and um, empowerment. Mm -hmm. Without taking care of them, yeah. Oh, I mean, that is such a sign of a master coach right there to be able to hold the bar high from deserving and love instead of needing to, to caretake or to fix, fix. To fix the feelings. Yeah. yeah. Instead, seeing the feelings as, as part of it, like, okay, what do you yeah. need? What do well, you have to my, do? Yeah, my whole life I had um, interactions with people where when my emotion got high, people reacted very predictably. Yeah, um, You're, but, you both trained each other. Yeah, I mean, all the time. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. and all sorts of relationships. A lot of like codependency stuff, a lot of, you know, some patterns that you get into with people. And so to have a master coach hold a way of being outside of that, totally on purpose. She's, I mean, that's, that's when I knew I was like, I am becoming a master coach that Jedi Knight stuff. We are, we are, <laughs> I am going after it. Like I'm not stopping yeah. until I get there. And she's, she really modeled it so beautifully for me. Yeah. I mean, back to the conversation of what makes a great client personally, I think the transformations happen when the clients are willing to bring everything, all the junk, all the, all the gross stuff, fully authentic and allow a difference to be made. That's when the breakthroughs happen. But yeah, oh, the coach, wow. the coach has to be, has to be able to be with the client and not need to fix anything. And that's where you get like in the competencies in the core competencies, you have embracing a coaching mindset and you really need to have that self mastery because mm -hmm. I tell people, so I was trained as a teacher. I was trained in all these different types of roles. And so I had to untrain myself because when my clients are being with a ton of emotion or you know, certain types of things come up, I can't go into that automatic way that I, I used to you know, know to do in the past. So, you know, and of course it's always room for growth. Yeah. There's no I destination. Love the, I love the phrase, we train other people how to treat us. And so when a coach comes in and can lead from love and can be like, sorry, I'm not going to play that game with you anymore. I love you too much. I'm not going to take care of you. There's something there for you. And then the client's <laughs> like, what? Oh my gosh. I don't relate to you as fragile, but I am so fragile. Like, mm, but are you? But are you? <laughs> don't, see, don't you see my China doll collection? I'm so don't fragile. you know I'm so fragile? <laughs> uh, or opposite. I'm so tough. I'm like, <clears throat> And then I you just had to hold the silence. You just had to hold the silence and be with them mm -hmm. long enough for something different to come. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I could talk nerdy about coaching all day long. <laughs> yeah. And I want to underline that um, my belief and uh, a very common belief in accomplishment coaching is that coaches lead and leaders coach. So a lot of the overlap that Jess and I are talking about is because there's a belief that great coaches make great leaders because of who we learn to be. So Lisa, I'm going to ask you to say it again slowly, because I, I, I find that people, you know, they kind of get in something and they, you know, like, what's your website? And they go through it. And it's just like, <laughs> I can't remember that. So it's like, say it again, slowly, the quote. God, what did I say? Jess, what did I say? I don't remember. Coaches lead and leaders coach. Coaches lead and, leaders, and coach. leaders coach. And great coaches make great leaders because of who we get to be with people. It's awesome. 
the process of really effective coach training is about, and the reason why it makes such great leaders is that it's inherently about expanding your capacity to be with stuff and not react. Mm -hmm. So you're able to hold more and more and more and choose in the moment who to be and what to do about it. And so, and that's only something you can gain experientially. You yep. can't academically, intellectually, analytically get there. So um, that's what had me stick around on the leadership team as long as I have is, oh, I see it. My balloon is growing. I just, you can't deny it. I can be with way more now and, and than without, I could years ago. And without victimizing yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because no matter how tough it gets, you know, I don't know. People say, you know, holding safe spade, hold, holding the light and all that stuff. That's kind of what you, I think you're talking about in my model. In, in you know, uh, it just yeah. being present is everything to be able to endure that and move beyond it. Yeah. I also think that there's something I love that you're like, and without harming yourself, mm -hmm. because part of the process of being with more mm -hmm. is being less attached and taking things less personally. Exactly. Like I have, you know, I have grown to take my own stuff less personally, like my fear-based stuff. I'm no longer like, oh my God, it's so bad that I act like this. It's like, nah, I mean, I was trained to do it. Helps me survive. That's fine. So the more that I can also take other people's stuff less personally and show up not to get my needs met, take care of my needs and then show up to be of service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of my clients, who's also a coach, designed a breakthrough of unfuckwithable. Ooh. Where just, you know, <laughs> stuff slides off. It's like, totally fine. Bring whatever you need. Bring whatever sort of survival mechanism shenanigans you got. It's totally fine. I was just having this conversation about the relationship between reactivity and being ungettable or being mm. so profoundly in touch with self-mastery because really the only path to unfuck with and ungettableness is to be reactive a lot <laughs> mm. like you have to move through all that there's no there's no skipping around it there's no spiritual bypassing that you need to just be confronted with things that disrupt you mm. a lot and at a level of, and John, to your point, at a level of gradient and difficulty and challenge, that is loving to yourself. Not going, you know, <laughs> I mean, you want to bring rigor, but there's that balance of like, well, where am I actually? And what is my next breakthrough? We could talk, we could do a whole thing on breakthroughs, which I'd love to do. Lisa, I want to be respectful of your time. Are you good on time right now? Uh, I do need to hop off soon so I can speak with a client. Uh-huh. Okay. So how do you want to wrap this up? Mm. I'd say appreciation and acknowledgement. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Being the coach that I am. Um, I love that. Sounds like love yeah. to me. I'm predictable, John. I'm very predictable. Um, well, I would love to offer some appreciation to Lisa first, if you're okay with that, John. Oh, absolutely. There's no, there's no, there are no rules here, right? No, right. Yeah, wrong. We're making it up. We're making it up. Um, Lisa, I love being one of your people. Every time you reach out to me for a conversation or a, an opportunity to partner, it's, it's, it keeps building me as a business owner and a coach and a leader because you're someone I admire and love so much. And mm. you're, I love your brand of leadership. I love your heart and power and creativity and yeah, who you are for me is just, yeah, a total inspiration. I love you. Mm. Love you too. And I feel the same way, Lisa. I love you. I do. Aww. Thanks, John. Love you too. And John, I want to acknowledge you for who you're being for us. I mean, you're a catalyst. You're creating a container for these really important, meaningful conversations that, that move us forward and everybody that we work with. I mean, this is my, 
you know, spoiler alert, this is my first ever podcast appearance. You're kidding. And I am not kidding. He's a natural, right? No kidding. <laughs> Pretty natural. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. But seriously, this is, so if you see me doing any public speaking in the future, you'll know that you you planted a seed, John, well, thank uh, you. to really give me a, a place to, to bring my voice. So I appreciate <laughs> well, it. Well, let me say, and it, it's a longer conversation, but I'm doing this for me. <laughs> okay, because I love doing it because I love doing it for you. But well, ultimately cool. the bottom line, I think we do everything we do, everything we do, we do for us. Yeah. And I really acknowledge, John, all all that you've created in order oh, to you. support women to be fully self-expressed, to carry on the torch of emotional intelligence. And Jess, I just, I'm so in awe of you over and over. Yep. Similarly, in every conversation, you're like a, a gift that is to be unwrapped again and again. And every <laughs> layer is different and amazing. And my cat just knocked something fragile off my shelf. So, I that. so the, the, the gift that was given to me today is largely, you know, I, I am aware of how I hold safe space. But today there was just many things that were, have been brought into that space that I would find useful in my own way of holding space for other people. And I really, really thank you. And women in strong leadership, this is number two. So we're just getting started. So you can put that in your pipe and smoke it if you do that sort of thing. <laughs> I love it. I'll tell, I'll tell my husband that he enjoys a good pipe. Oh, good. Perfect. Good. So well, thanks uh, for the conversation. Well, thank This was wonderful. Did you guys get what you wanted? 110%. Good. Same here. So remind everybody um, how they can get in touch with you. You can reach me at JessLilyCoaching.com. And you can reach me, CoachingWithLP.com. And you can uh, watch this or listen to this at WhatHasMyAttention.com. Until next time. I was going to say that, but uh, (laughs) you're the leadership coach, so it's okay. Once again, (laughs) there are no rules. All right. Take care. Lots of love, guys. Bye. Bye. Produced by Imagine Podcasting, we help businesses eliminate competition by elevating their brand and message to be heard. Visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information. 